It's the 11th of August, 2022. So may you set your hearts on training, training your minds to bring them into peace. Because when the mind is brought to calm, then the moods and the thoughts will get less and less. We'll find that the more we think, the more stirred up the mind becomes. So we need to train our minds to give them some relief from these thoughts. And this is like finding a home for our minds, this home of peace. So if they're stirred up, if they're feeling aggravated, then we need to try to bring them in so they enter into this peaceful state, giving them some respite, a place of rest, for our hearts. And even though this isn't destroying or getting rid of the defilements, which are really the cause of our suffering, but it is a temporary respite, where we're avoiding these things for now. And we do so in order to give our minds energy so that they have this strength to fight with all of the sense experiences they come across. So this is the power of samadhi, and these five palas, these five powers. And there's that of sata, this conviction or faith, and then virya, this effort or energy, and then uh, sati, mindfulness, samadhi, this uh, collectedness and panya, wisdom. So this, the pala, this um, power of sata, it's able to get rid of disbelief. Because if we don't have conviction or belief, then we won't have energy. We don't have energy to build up goodness won't have the strength to be generous, to be virtue, to train in mindfulness or samadhi. And that's because we don't have that sata or conviction there. But when we do have this quality, um, then we'll be able to put our energy into establishing our hearts well into putting an effort into having mindfulness, even though perhaps wisdom may not yet have arisen. So the sata is conviction of faith, it's important. And for those who train in samadhi, they need to first have seen the drawbacks in suffering in order to find a path out of suffering. And so they have that faith there. And there's that faith, but they haven't yet reached the actual thing. There's faith in building up goodness, faith in generosity. And initially, this um, is just kind of a minor form of faith. And that 
This is faith in being generous on the significant days in the Buddhist calendar. Uh, but really, generosity or merit is something that we can do every day. Eventually this grows, and there's more faith in generosity and offering food to the monks on arms round and listening to the Dhamma. And when we get to the stages of developing mindfulness and samadhi, then this is even more tough. Because these things, they really go against the grain of our hearts. We find that if we just allow ourselves to think as the mind wishes, to just follow our emotions, then there's a feeling of ease there. But that ease becomes a cause for suffering to arise. It's not genuine comfort or ease. So we need to see the drawbacks in this, the drawback in the cycle of sangsara. In the mind which is going between birth and death, and then we come to set our hearts on training, on training these minds so that they are mindful. So for those people who sit in meditation, like we are now, and like all of us intent on listening to the Dhamma, it shows that we do have this faith and we're genuine, we're sincere in this. Because these things, they go against the defilements, and they wear away at the defilements. They oppose the things that we like, those things that we like and we're attached to, that are detrimental to us. So we see that those people who do practice, they need to have this significant and genuine faith first, and that gives them the energy to really set their hearts the efforts that we put into worldly things, that's really the efforts to have and to become, to delight in the things that we gain, the gains that uh, we get, the status and praise and pleasure that we get. But these don't lead us out of suffering. So what the Buddha taught is that he taught us to abandon any unskillful or unwholesome states that arise within our hearts in the present moment. Anything that is papa, any bad kamma that comes up, we need, we don't need to search for much reasoning or anything there, but rather we just try to abandon it. We tell ourselves that this is something that is unsure. We abandon it, we see how it arises and ceases. We have our awareness up to speed with it, knowing that it's not really anything. Its nature is just to arise and cease. Like these hindrances of anger or ill will, and they just come and they go, and that's natural. But perhaps if sometimes we can feel like we've put them down a long time ago, but they just come up all over again. There can be this liking or delighting arising in this present moment all over again. 
And perhaps we're feeling tired from the duties or the work that we do. So we've had to forbear with those for a long time. And then this ignorance comes up, or liking, disliking comes up. Love or hate can come up. So we put our effort into abandoning any of those unskillful states. And those that have yet to arise, we put effort into their non-arising. Those that have arisen already, we put effort into abandoning them, trying to put them down. And also trying to build up skillful states as well, like we are doing now. Trying to cultivate mindfulness and samadhi and wisdom. Those that have yet to arise, we put effort into their arising. Those that have arisen already, we put our effort into nurturing them and looking after them. And really, the practice is just this. It's not a lot. It's not overly complicated. We just know and have our awareness up to speed with all of the sensory objects that we experience. When these come up, and the mind attaches to them, takes them as being me and mine, this is where the sense of self arises. So we need to have mindfulness at this point, knowing and seeing through its tricks. If there's something that wants us to get into love, then we tell ourselves that that is not sure. There's something that wants us to hate, we tell ourselves that that is not sure. It's all not sure like this. Wherever the mind proliferates, we tell ourselves that's not sure. That there's no me there. That there's no me in the past. In the present, it's just these four elements and five khandhas. So the present, there's no I here. The past, there was no I there. And the future, the next second that's going to come, there will be no me there as well. So we put down all of these aramanas, all of these sense objects. And really this letting go is the important thing. Those people who have faith, they come to practice in order to develop wisdom. And when we listen to the Dhamma well, then this gives rise to wisdom. It cultivates our hearts, raises them to a higher level. Like those who attend these meditation retreats for nine days. Maybe they get a lot of wisdom from that, maybe just a bit. But it also requires people who to sacrifice, who offer their wealth and also their energy of body and mind, who give their mindfulness and wisdom in order to help share the Dhamma, in this gift of Dhamma, it's the highest gift. So listening to the Dhamma is something that's very important. Uh, these teachings of the Buddha. So the Buddha taught, and these teachings have been passed down to the Arahants of our age, to Venerable Ajahn Man and Ajahn Chah. So we should follow their teachings. And even though we may have many doubts about many different things, and still we follow their teachings first, having a lot of mindfulness. And when we're very mindful, then we're close to the Buddha.
And when it comes to the point where our samadhi becomes well established, then we gain great confidence here that this path is the way that will lead us to the end of suffering for sure. The wisdom arises. This panya, this wisdom, which is an all-around comprehensive knowing into the nature of sankharas, fabrications, the nature of all mental and physical phenomena. So we take a mind which is well established in samadhi and which has mindfulness to contemplate the nature of these physical and mental things, seeing them as being anichan, as being constant or impermanent. But if our energy of mind is insufficient, then perhaps we contemplate this and a deep feeling of sadness arises. But this isn't actually seeing anicca. If we really see that, then joy, happiness comes up. So if we're contemplating this inconstancy and what results is sadness, then the way that we're leading our minds into that is incorrect. We're contemplating in a way that isn't right. So we should try and figure out a better way of doing that. Because if our samadhi, it's not happening, then wisdom doesn't arise. So we need to come back and establish our samadhi anew. If the mind is just following after all these sensory experiences, it's just proliferating in terms of me and mine, then what that shows is that our mindfulness is weak. So wisdom isn't coming up. There's just these issues of self. So then we come back and we chant a lot, we meditate a lot, establish our mindfulness a lot, bringing our minds to peace and stillness. And then we contemplate here with wisdom. And a clear knowing and understanding can arise into the dhammas that we should know and we should see. And when this genuine insight arises, it's really quite incredible. For myself before, when I was a layperson, then my practice went up and down. Sometimes I'd sit and my mind would, and my body would feel very light and buoyant. But then I'd come out of the state of samadhi and greed, hatred and delusion would come up all over again. I felt that this was really torturous. When my mind was peaceful, it just felt so at ease, so cool and comfortable. And I didn't want for it to come out of that state. But samadhi is also impermanent. So you just have to come back and build up the causes and conditions once again, carrying on trying to practice. And what happens when we practice without stop? Then the mind becomes peaceful and still. You understand the Dharma little by little. The faith that we have in generosity and virtue grows. So you see how people have come here to practice, some from very far away, some from close by, and all have faith. All have faith um, in these teachings. And they have generous supporting this monastery, supporting the Buddha Sasana. And many 
help out, give a helping hand in many different ways as well. So I give my Anamodana rejoice in the goodness of your deeds. And may you do this consistently. And do these external work, but also practice for your own benefit as well. And developing mindfulness and samadhi is something that we need to make consistent and smooth. Perhaps on the lunar observance days can keep these eight precepts. And this gives us the time and opportunity to practice. Or perhaps, if it's more convenient, can keep these eight precepts on a Saturday or on a Sunday. Whatever is convenient for us. So we see that the more of these sensory experiences that we come by, then the mind becomes less peaceful. And even if the things that we like, there's no peace of mind there. So like if we watch movies or dramas, and the mind just follows all of that, There are these different characters, and the mind just runs after them, giving rise to the sense of self, that I like this character and I don't like that character. There's the protagonists, or the kind of heroes of the movie, and we like them, and we don't like the villains. We see that if there's no villain, then there's no protagonist. But all of this just stirs up the mind, makes it tumultuous, and there's no peace there. Then when we come to sit in meditation, uh, the mind brings up all of these things that we've seen, and starts to think about them, produces a narrative about them. So when we keep the eight precepts, then we can stop doing that, and we can give ourselves time and opportunity to chant, to meditate, building our energy, building our peace of mind, so that we can contemplate. Initially, that contemplation, it's using our thoughts. So we think how fabricated things are changing, they're inconstant, they're not me. And when there's enough energy to the mind, then it's possible for it all to gather together. We can experience the Dhamma here, and seeing how there's no me there, emptiness arises. The material things, they're not actually there, and that I am not there, and we see the Dhamma. So may you all practice the Dhamma, and this gives great benefit. And listening to the Dhamma gives great benefit. And helping to spread these teachings of Dhamma, this gives immense benefit. Helps people to gain energy and to gain wisdom as well. To have these powers of faith and effort and mindfulness, samadhi and wisdom. And this samadhi, it grows and gets better slowly but surely. The wisdom gets better, our sati and sila, our effort, increase and get better. And then when we see clearly, then this effort, it just happens all on its own. This 
faith and effort are connected. And it uh, develops, evolves into a faith or a belief which is imbued with wisdom. And this is achala sata here, this unshakable faith. Because it's a faith that comes from having seen into anatta, into not-self. And we see the true value or the value of the teachings of the Buddha, that these really do lead us to the end of suffering. So these teachings have come down to us through these awakened beings. And in Thailand, you also have the king here who supports the Buddha Sasana and helps to look after all of us. And this has happened through kind of, um, consecutive generations of the kings till this present moment, this present day and age. And the king now, he uh, supports the practice of Dhamma and also the study of Dhamma as well, looks after the Dhamma and the Vinaya. So may we all use this opportunity to study and to practice. It's, we have this time, we have this opportunity now. May you really be firm in your efforts. And if you do that, then you will know and see into the teachings of the Buddha, which means seeing the Dhamma, attaining to the Dhamma. So may you all set your hearts on this. <laughs>